Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Is his name is worthy. He is magnificent. So we invite you to just tune in. Come in right now. Come in. Let's worship him together. Tune in with us as we magnify him, as we lift his name on high, as we uh, take time today to let him be king. Yeah. Just let him reign and rule like he uh, deserves in our lives. Uh, let's go to the throne of grace. Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you for this day. We thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace. We thank you, Lord God, because this is the day that the Lord has made. You made this day, Lord. And so, Father, today we choose to rejoice. Today we choose to trust you. Today we choose to serve you. Today we choose to humble ourselves before you and listen for your voice. We need a word from on high. We need you to minister to us like never before. Father, our hearts are postured to receive you. We want to receive from you today what thus saith the Lord. Father, we thank you and praise you for your hand of covering, your hand of mercy, your hand of grace, your hand of protection, your hand of provision, Lord God. We thank you and praise you, Lord, for covering us. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus that today you would lift up, bow down head. We ask that today, Lord God, you would give us a new sense of direction, a clear vision, Lord God, for the days to come. Father, we pray, Lord, that you would strengthen us in our inner man on this day. We pray, Father, that you would give us um, um, a new sense of hope and peace and anointing and strength, Lord God, that only comes from you. Father, we thank you and praise you for all of those out there. I'm praying, Lord, that what pastor has to say comes from you and yes. that you would minister to your people. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would send your anointing. Let it flow forth, Lord. I'm thanking you that, that uh, uh, a change is coming. I'm thanking you that uh, a shift is coming. I feel a shift in the spirit and I'm thanking you, Lord God, that we are inclining our ears to hear where that shift yeah. is moving us, to, to follow and obey where you are leading us and guiding us and directing us, Lord. We thank you. We thank you. This day we worship you. This day we honor you. This is your day. And this day we need to hear from you, Lord God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. And well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, everybody. As she said, this is the day that the Lord has made, and we are going to rejoice and be glad in it. Oh, I'm grateful to God to be with you here today to see what he's going to say to us on this day. But before uh, we go into what he's got to say to us today, uh, the reason I want to thank you from our hearts for our 26th anniversary blessing. Uh, that you gave us, that people commented and, and gave us likes. Uh, it, it truly was a blessing to us. It truly blessed us. And we thank you. We were overwhelmed, and we definitely thank God for each and every one of you. And then secondly, I want you to, to make sure 
that you fill out your census form uh, and make sure you tell your family and friends to do the same. The data from the census provides our community with billions of dollars over 10 years, as well as representation in the government. And then lastly, we have 85 days before the election. This is the most important election of our lifetime to date. So make sure that you are registered. If you're going to mail it in, do that. And then make sure you spread the word of how important this election is. Don't vote because they died for it. Vote because your life depends on it. And then finally, we will be having a drive-in service next Sunday evening at 5.30. Yes, next Sunday evening at 5.30 in our parking lot, weather permitting. And just like last time, all social distancing protocols will be in place. So now let's get ready to go into the Word. And today we are going to do something a little different, a little little differently instead of the typical sermon or message that I usually do or, you know, as God directs. We're going to study the Word today. We're going to dig into the Word on a subject that we all talk about, heard about, believe about, and that we are all actually going through. And that subject is the subject of the last days. We are in the last days. Now, let me start by saying that I always equated the last days from a New Testament perspective. I have taught and said on many occasions that the last days began when Jesus went back to heaven and will end when he returns. However, that is the wrong concept. And when you have the wrong concept, you have a misconception conception. Now, the, as I always said and been saying, the Bible is a book about a king and his kingdom. And the book about the king and the kingdom, there is a relationship between the Old Testament and the New Testament, even as it relates to the last days. Now, the New is the old contained, the old is the new explained, the new is in the old concealed, the old is in the new revealed. Now, most preachers preach a sermon on the last days, me included, that usually start at Matthew chapter 24, and I'll just read verses 1 through 3, which says, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us when shall these things be, and what is the sign of your coming and of the end of the world? And we also use Mark 13 and Luke 21, which essentially says the same thing as Matthew. 
and we usually use 2 Timothy chapter 3 as, all, as well as the book of Revelation. But I have discovered that if you start there, you are starting it at the middle and the end of the story. If you start there, you're starting at the end, the middle or the end. Whenever you read a story, it makes sense to start at the beginning rather than the middle or the end so that you can get the full scope of the story. Now, we're going to talk about the term eschatology. Eschatology comes from two Greek words, which means eschatos, meaning last, and logos, meaning subject matter. Eschatos, meaning last, and logos, which means subject matter. Therefore, eschatology would be the doctrinal study that deals with the last events of sacred history, including all that is beyond this life and this age, as well as the final events of this present age. Now listen closely. In real estate, the golden rule is location, location, location. Typically in eschatology, it's signs, signs, signs. How about we go back to scripture, scripture, scripture? And we're going to talk about the last days beginning in the first book of the Bible, which is Genesis chapter 49. Genesis chapter 49. And this is Jacob's prediction of the last days. Jacob's prediction of the last days. Genesis 49, and we'll look at verse number 1. Genesis 49, and we'll look at Genesis, I mean, chapter 49, verse 1. And it says this, And Jacob called unto his sons and said, Gather yourselves together that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the what? Last days. Now, Jacob's blessing was distinct from that of Isaac and Abraham, who pronounced their blessings before him. Isaac and Abraham passed on God's promise to their children, but Jacob went beyond that. He issued prophetic words about the future of each son, reflecting on the destinies that their tribes would live out. Now look at verse number 33. It says this, and when Jacob had made and end of, his, of commanding his son, he gathered up his feet into the bed and yielded up the ghost. In other words, he died and was gathered unto his people. This was a time of transition. The last days are a time of transition. There's something that is getting ready to happen. Minister Lurie said there's a shift. There's a change. There's a transition happening, and that, in fact, is indicative of the last days. This passage speaks specifically of the last days of the 12 tribes of Israel. Remember that the Bible was not written to us. It was written for us, and the first mention of the last days are in the first book of the Bible, not the last book of the Bible, which signals 
a transition was about to happen. That transition was Jacob was getting ready to go to heaven, which means his sons were getting ready to receive some promises. There was a transition from Jacob. Now let's go to Moses' warning to the Israelites. Let's go to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 31. And we'll begin at verse number 27. Deuteronomy chapter 31, beginning at, chapter, at verse 27. It says, For I know thy rebellion and thy stiff neck. Behold, while I am yet alive with you this day, you have been rebellious against the Lord or disobedient against the Lord. And how much more after my death? Gather unto me all the elders of your tribes and your officers that I may speak these words in their ears and call heaven and earth to record or witness against them. Verse 29 says, For I know that after my death you will utterly corrupt yourself, which means corrupt means destroy, ruin, or spoil yourselves, and turn away and turn aside from the way which I commanded you, and evil will befall you in the what? Latter days. Because you will do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger through the works of your hands. This verse is in the context of chapter 28 through 32 and Leviticus 26. God is establishing the covenant with his people. Now, what is a covenant? A covenant is a divinely created relational bond through which God reveals himself and administers his kingdom program that is designed to bring his greatest blessing to human beings who operate under its guidelines. It's a relational bond. A biblical covenant involves far more than a contract. In a, in a biblical covenant, you enter an intimate relationship with another person or persons. Moses knew that the Israelites, in spite of all they had seen of God's work, were rebellious at heart. He knew that he was going to be leaving the scene, and if they were rebellious while he was there, and he heard directly from God that they were more, they were going to more than likely be rebellious, especially after he left. And the children of Israel deserved God's punishment, but they often received his mercy instead. That sounds like us, don't it? We are stubborn and rebellious by nature. Throughout your life, you will struggle with sin. Repentance once a month or once a week is not enough. You need to turn from your sin and let God in his mercy restore you. Could it be that this pandemic with a crisis attached is God's way of trying to get his church attention because of rebellion? Hmm? We're entering into a shift. We're in the last days, 
and there's a transition within the last days. Could it be that God is trying to get our attention? Could it be God is trying to get the church to go back to him instead of going back to what we thought was normal? We are in the last days, days of transition. God is trying to get our attention just as he, through Moses, he was telling them, we know you're going to rebel. We know you're going to rebel because you have rebellion in your heart. From this passage, you will begin to see that the last days spoken in verse 29 are speaking of the last days of the old covenant, not the last days on earth. That's important. Because we have this in our mind that if we could just get through this and Jesus can come back, we can escape from the earth and escape from all of this tribulation. We are in a transition to usher him back. However, I'm going to say this. I don't know if the church is ready for him to come back. Hmm. Hmm. Last one that we're going to use from the Old Testament. Is Jeremiah's prediction of the last days. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 30. The last days don't just necessarily mean the end of the age or the end of the world. They mean it's a transition coming. Each time there was a transition that was and we are in the midst of a transition. Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 24. And it says this. The fierce anger of the Lord shall not return until he have done it, until he have performed the intent of his heart. In the latter days, you shall consider it. Another translation says, the fierce anger of the Lord will not be diminished. It has finished all he has planned. And you, you will understand all of this. In other words, in the latter days, what is that saying? This speaks of the judgment coming upon God's children. It also speaks from the context of Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 31 contains several fulfilled prophecies at the first coming of Jesus. Jeremiah 31.15 is a prophecy that is fulfilled in the New Testament. Now we get ready to bridge over to the New Testament. Let's go to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. And verse 16 through 8. This prophecy in, in, in Jeremiah 31 and 15 is fulfilled in Matthew chapter 2, verses 16 through 18. If you have a chance, go back and read 31 to 15, and then read this one as well. But we're going to read from Matthew. It says this, Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth. In other words, he was mad and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and all the coast thereof 
from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Verse 17 says, Then was fulfilled, which means completed, that which was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying in Ramah was there a voice heard lamentation and weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children and would not be comforted because they are not. In other words, those children were killed and Rachel was crying over her children. According to Galatians 4 and 4, Jesus was born under the law at the end of the Old Covenant. The Old Covenant is ending with Christ's birth and the New Covenant is at hand or at the beginning of his ministry. There was a transition in the last days from the time of Jeremiah until the time when Jesus shows up. Oh, how do you know? Let's go to Hebrews. Chapter 1. Verse 1, it says, God, who at sundry times in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the who? Prophets. Have in these what? Last days spoken unto us by his who? Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. When the author mentions these last days, he's talking about the New Testament days, which are everything that falls between the time of Jesus' birth and his return. John 1 and 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John chapter 1 verse 14 says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And then John 1.18 says, No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. Jesus' goal was to put on flesh in order to make God known. His goal was to put on flesh to make God known. God used various means to reveal himself in the past, but now he's funneling everything through his son, the incarnate revelation of God. Jesus is the final word or God's final word on every subject. He's the final word on every subject. There was a shift from the Old Testament to the Old Covenant, to the New Covenant, when Jesus showed up. But as you know, Jesus died for our sins, and he rose again on the third day, and then in the book of Acts, Jesus transitions back to heaven, which indicates another what? Shift in the last days. And Peter used Joel's prediction that the Holy Spirit would be poured out in the last days. Let's go to Acts. Chapter 2. Starting with verse 14. There was a shift in the last days. 
from an old covenant to the new covenant, which Jesus came and fulfilled. Now through him, now he's gone back, he's left it to us. How? Through the Holy Spirit that was poured out in the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost. Amen? All right, let's go to verse 14. Chapter 2, verse 14. Well, let's, let's begin at chapter 2. I'm just going to throw this in for just because. Chapter 2, verse 1. It says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled, talking about all. Everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the who? Spirit gave them utterance. Let's go to verse 14. It says, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted his voice, and said unto them, You men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing that it is but the third hour of the day, which means it was nine o'clock in the morning. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass that in the last days, saith God, I will do what? Pour out my spirit, which means to distribute largely upon all flesh, meaning all people. Your sons and your daughters shall do what? Prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Verse 18 says, and on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will do what? Pour out in those days, meaning the last days of my spirit, and they shall, what? Prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and what? Vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And verse 21, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. As I said before, Peter quoted Joel chapter 2, verses 28 through 30, 30, 32. This event was also spoken in Isaiah 44, verse 1 through 4. I'll just read it for you in the New Living Translation, which says, But now listen to me, Jacob, my servant, Israel, my chosen one, the Lord who made you and helped you says, do not be afraid, O Jacob, my servant, O dear Israel, my chosen one, for I will pour out, pour out here in Hebrew means dump, water to quench your thirst and to irrigate your parched field, and I will pour out, dump my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your children they will thrive like watered grass, like willows on a river bank. God, the Holy Spirit, is pictured as the water of life that saves and blesses, blesses a dying people. 
God does not send water where water is not needed. God does not send his spirit where it is not needed. God sent his spirit and poured out his spirit on all, on all flesh. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit ushered in a new era, the church age, which we are in right now. This is the church age. Let's go a little bit deeper. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was a rare gift that was only given to a few people and usually for short periods of time. When Saul was anointed king of Israel, the Holy Spirit came upon him, but God removed his blessing on Saul and the Holy Spirit left him. The Holy Spirit came for specific moments or seasons in the lives of Othniel in Judges 3, chapter 3 and verse 10, in Ge on Gideon in Judges 6 and verse 34, and Samson in Judges 13, 25, as well as 14 and 6, as well to enable them to do his will and to serve Israel. At Pentecost, God, the Holy Spirit, was poured out on all believers in Jesus, and he came to stay. When? During these last days, and to dwell in, and pour out, but also to indwell God's people throughout the last days. The devil wants us to focus on the hard things of the last days instead of the God things of the last days. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit is a God thing that God knew we were going to need throughout these last days because it signals a transition that is coming. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon humanity was the inauguration of the new covenant, which was ratified by the blood of Jesus. According to the terms of the new covenant, every believer is given the Holy Spirit. So what does that mean? We need to get a better understanding of God, the Holy Spirit. Let me say this. He is not just an idea or a subject you learn. He is something that happens to you and in you. He is not an idea or a subject. He is something that happens to you and in you. He is not just an experience you once had. He is an encounter throughout your life. He's more than a one-time, one-off, experience. He's an encounter throughout your life. He is not just a feeling. He is a person that will lead you into places you will never go, normally go, and do things that you never, never would do because he is not a feeling. He is a person that leads. He is not just about you being good and sincere. He is about you allowing him to move through you with miracles, signs, and wonders. He, he, he is about allowing you to allow him to move through you 
with miracles and signs and wonders following you as a result of his indwelling presence in you. He is not a religion or something you just do. He is God. He is not a human invention. He is about God's business. He is no credit to us, but all the glory belongs to God. We need to thank God for the outpouring and the infilling and indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He is God extended. Extended to what? You and your situation to work the purpose and will of God's kingdom in your life or in your circumstances. The Holy Spirit is God extended. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In you. We are in the last days, but it's not as bad as you want to think. It's a good thing because it's signaling a transition. It's signaling a change is coming. It's signaling that one, that one of these old days, better days are ahead. And this is why he was given to you, because he sanctifies you as a believer. Write this scripture down. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. He sanctifies you as a believer. The Holy Spirit, he enables you to mortify or kill the flesh. And that comes from Romans chapter 8. Verse 5 through 13. Romans chapter 8, verse 5 through 13. He transforms the believer into the image of Christ. That comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. He transformed the believer into the image of Christ. He strengthens the believer for greater revelations of Christ. He strengthens you for greater revelations of Christ, and that comes from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 through 19. And as I said last week, he leads those that are of him, his children. He leads the sons of God. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 14. Not only that, he performs the office of the comforter. What does that mean? That means he will comfort you throughout the midst of these last days. Throughout the pandemic with the crisis attached, he will comfort you. Through all, your, through all manner of sickness of disease, he will comfort you. He will comfort you if you bereave. He will comfort you if you're confused. He will comfort you if you are afraid. He operates. He performs the office of the comforter, and that comes from John 14, 16 through 18. John 14, 16 through 18. Verse number 26. 
John chapter 15, 26. John chapter 16, 7 through 15. I'll repeat that. John 14, 16 through 18. Verse 26. John 15, 26. John 16, 7 through 15. The Holy Spirit also brings forth fruit in your life, especially during these last days. We talked about that last week. And you read Galatians again this week, 5.22. Galatians 5.22. He brings forth fruit in your life. What? The fruit of the Spirit. If you are led by the Spirit, you don't have to worry about trying to get the fruit of the Spirit. If you are actually truly led by the Spirit, fruit will just come out without your trying. Why? Because you are under the control of the Holy Spirit. And all he can do is produce fruit. Mm. Ever since Pentecost, the Holy Spirit has baptized every believer into Christ at the moment of salvation. And he comes to permanently indwell God's children. Now, I said that to say this. Some still look for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on a specific group of people in a specific place or at a specific time. But there is no biblical support for the repeat of such a Pentecost-style event. They did that in Acts chapter 1 where they were told to tarry until he showed up. Well, we found out in Acts chapter 2 that he already showed up, that he already poured himself out. There is no need for the Holy Spirit to pour himself out again. Hmm. What God does, he does permanently. Why would God have to outpour his spirit again? Why? Because he already done it once. Why would, why would it be a need for God to repeat himself? Think about it. Let me say this. This is our time and our season as God has already supplied us with everything we need for these last days. He's already given us his spirit. You need to stop looking at the last days with dread, with dread, but with excitement because we are in a time of transition into the next age. These last days are to draw you closer to God the Father. And this pandemic with the crisis attached is giving you the opportunity as a believer to get reconnected to stay rooted, and to stay connected with God the Father. We are in the last days, and they began in Genesis. And guess what? God's prophetic clock began to tick down as early as Genesis 1-1, where it says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So we have been in the last days, essentially, since Genesis 1-1. And every pronunciation 
of the last days signaled a transition to another age. And we are ready. We are in the last days. We are in transition. And this signal is to the church to get itself together. Because he is looking for a church without spot or wrinkle. And what we are going through now is a signal of a transition that's soon to come. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I thank God for his word that took us from the Old Testament into the New Testament, but more importantly, gave us a, a, another layer of understanding about the last days, that they are not all bad, but in fact, we need to be getting excited as a believer because it's signaling a time of transition. So, Father, we just thank you for that word today. And I pray, God, that we would apply it, that we would go back and go through the scriptures again and again and again, that you would illuminate your word through the Holy Spirit, which you gave to us to be and to do just that. So, Father, we give you praise. We give you glory that we don't look upon these days as dread but we look upon them with excitement, knowing that we are in transition and that our soon coming king is coming back for his church. So, Father, we pray right now that you give us the strength through the power of the Holy Spirit to hold on, to commune with you, to believe and do the work that you called us to do in this day, in these last days. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise God. I pray that this word was a blessing to you. And I pray that you continue to study it out. I say that because it takes more than one time. But as you study, ask the Holy Spirit to lead you through it and to illuminate what needs to be spoken to you in these days. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't look down with dread. But recognize that Jesus is coming back. And if you are a believer and have stepped away, been in doubt, come back to him. If you don't know him, receive him as your Savior today because he's the only true shepherd that you have in this day, in this hour, in this moment that will give you the unadulterated truth. Remember, if you'd like to sow into our ministry, please follow the link on our page or mail it to 2828 West Flint Street, right here in Peoria, and the zip code is 61604. And remember, next Sunday evening at 530, weather permitting, we will be having a drive-in service. Larissa and I love you so very much. And we thank God and we're praying for each and every one of you. So with that said, let us not leave with malice in our hearts, but let us leave with love for one another. Let us leave with a prayer on our lips, not for ourselves, but for others. You are blessed in the city. You are blessed in the field. You are blessed 
going out, and you are blessed coming in. Everything about you is blessed. The enemy comes in one way, but he has to flee seven ways. Why? You are blessed. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. You are the lender and not the borrower. You are blessed. So I speak light to your family. I speak light to you. I speak light to your finances. I speak light to your body. You are blessed. Be blessed. And I love you, and we'll see you next week. God bless you.